Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode number 70, right on the money. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight are Matt. What's up, everybody? And Tom. Hey, how are you doing? We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. What's new, fellas? Not a whole lot. Just had a good good week. Ready to get this thing rolling with you guys. What about you, Tom? Yeah, same thing. Just uh, excited to be back for another episode. I'm really glad that you're feeling better, Pete, because you had a really nasty little like 24-hour virus, right? I hit a low point in my life. Not going to lie. But we just want to say thank you for recording through it and also um, editing through it. Not a proud moment for me. Well, for this week's episode, we are going to do the complete opposite of what we did last week. After talking about it, we decided, and by we, I mean the fanboys over there, decided that maybe we were a little too harsh on Disney last week. So we're going to turn the tables. We're going to talk about the things that Disney has done right over the years. I may be a little bit of a negative Nancy on this, but whatever. I got overruled. So here we go. Before we get into that, uh, let's go with the news. Tom, what do we got this week? Hopefully not near as much as we had last week. No, not near as much, but we have one item, uh, and I'm saving it for the end, that I cannot wait to discuss with you guys. But with that being said, we'll jump right in, uh, heading over to Magic Kingdom. The Maleficent float has returned to Festival of Fantasy. If you guys remember, I believe it was around last May that the float caught on fire. Uh, Again, no one was injured. Uh, Everyone got out of there safely, but the Maleficent float did catch on fire and had not returned since then. It looks like this past week. The dragon has made the triumphant return to the Disney's Festival of Fantasy Parade. And that's a that's a welcome sign. That's one of my favorite floats in all of Disney World. The fire effects uh, that, that are there are awesome. And it looks like Disney's enhanced some safety features around those flame effects. Uh, so history will not repeat itself. I know we saw the pictures of it and maybe even put it on our social media. I can't remember, but it was a wild scene at uh, Disney's Magic Kingdom. Uh, staying in Magic Kingdom. Long Lost Friends schedule now available for Magic Kingdom. Uh, if we hit on this last week, that you know Disney is doing a Mickey and Minnie surprise celebration party, and there'll be a lot of Long Lost Friends that you can meet at the flagpole at Main Street USA. Up to date, there's been no schedule. It's just it kind of people pop out when they pop out, uh, whatever day of the week. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Well, that has changed. I'm going to run down the schedule quickly. Uh, Monday, you will find Robin Hood and Little John there. Tuesday, you will find Gideon and Foulfellow from Pinocchio there. On Wednesday, you'll find Remy and, uh, I believe, Emil from Ratatouille. Thursday, you'll find Prince John and Friar Tuck from Robin Hood. On Friday, is Judy and Nick from Zootopia, which I have no experience with. Saturdays, it is Phineas and Ferb. And Sundays, Chicken Little and Abby Mallard, obviously from Chicken Little. So, Disney's making it worth your while because those are tough characters to find in general, and they're going to be out weekly. So if, if you have a favorite in there and you're going to Disney World and can only visit Magic Kingdom once, you know, plan your trip accordingly. Moving to Hollywood Studios now. Planet Hollywood Store at Disney's Hollywood Studios has will be closed permanently. The Planet Hollywood merchandise location at the Hollywood Studios is set to close next week. Uh, so February 2nd. It'll actually close shortly after this releases. And uh, with Legends of Hollywood planned to take over the space as a part of an expansion, Planet Hollywood merchandise will still be available at the Planet Hollywood location at Disney Springs, though. So if, if you do need to get your Planet Hollywood fix, you can do that at Disney Springs. Staying in Hollywood Studios, we hit on this last week, Lightning McQueen's Racing Academy that will be confirmed to be opening March 31st. There is a preview video released online. Again, it's you're kind of taking on the role of a rookie racer, and you will cruise into the theater, find yourself face-to-face with the character who will appear live on stage. Uh, I know we hit on the giant wraparound screens, That'll be there as well. So if you want to check out a preview video to see if that's something you would like, you can do that online now. Last bit of Hollywood Studios news, not our last piece of news. Spoilers have leaked for Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. And we're not a spoiler podcast, so we all have read this. I don't want to go into detail on the podcast because there may be folks who are staying so far away from it that they don't uh, even want to discuss it. And I don't want to make you fast forward. I will put it like this. You can Google spoilers leaked for Rise of Resistance and read until your heart's content. And if, I know we're all excited for the Millennium Falcon attraction that's coming, but 
I think we we have two attractions to be excited for, uh, because it, what we read, if it if it's even halfway true, will be a fantastic addition to the Disney World. Moving over to some general news, uh, I guess resort news, uh, kind of a little bit of both. There's Escape the Cold rates now available at Disney Springs hotels. So your Disney Spring location hotels for a limited time. I stayed at one of these hotels on the last my last trip to Disney World. Uh, you know, it's essentially temperatures are getting chilly down in Central Florida, so. Uh, they're trying to generate some folks coming to these hotels. Room rates are available through uh, from now until March 31st. I will. I stay in hotels quite often. I've stayed in the, the Disney Springs location hotels very often. I don't know this is a great deal. If I would check your, I would check your moderate and your value resort resorts at Disney World before I would do this. There are some benefits come with it. You do get the extra magic hours. You do get the extended 60 day Fast Pass reservation, but I don't know. Uh, th- these seem like expensive rooms, and yeah, they're going to be a little nicer than your value resort rooms. Probably more, you know, closer to your moderate. But there are some downsides as far as transportation goes. So do your research there. I'm not sure that's the best deal in the world for you to for you to chase down. And our last bit of news is one of the most outrageous things I've ever read that Disney World has released. Disney is now. I don't think this is that outrageous. Do you know where I'm going? Before you start. Yeah, yeah. Disney is selling access to Cinderella Castle Suite for $12,000. And let me explain it. That's not exactly true. Let me explain it. So, Disney, it's a a jacked up VIP tour, essentially. So, Disney has a VIP tour option that includes your front of the line access, your food, tour guide. It's about $400 an hour. uh, and, And that's what most people would do if they have the money to blow. Well, now there's the World of Dreams VIP tour, uh, and it's available for up to six guests, Six guests, and it costs $12,000 for a single day and $10,000 each additional day. So you get everything you would get with that standard, standard VIP tour. Uh, you get all meals, snacks, drinks, even some alcohol included. Uh, guests can choose from any restaurant or property to dine at, no reservation necessary. Uh, VIP, VIP tour guests are also able to view any Walt Disney World nighttime spectacular from a special reserved area. And all that sounds great so far. Uh, you'll have two. You have an extra VIP tour guide, I believe. So you have two cast members with you instead of just one. And you'll get to tour the Cinderella Castle Dream Suite. Yeah, uh, you'll be able to explore uh, the off-limit space uh, that has previously never been opened for guests outside of special giveaways that Disney has done. And you will get to spend some time touring it. If you're interested and you have money, kind of available, and this is up your alley. You, it's everything you could dream of in a day of Disney World. Uh, you actually can start booking now, and tours must re- be reserved at least a week in advance. So last-minute trip to Disney could be tough pulling this off. But you could still check out the regular VIP tour, which is a $400 per hour tour. Okay, so I got a quick question for you guys. Let's say that you want to do this, and I think you know all of us would probably want to do this at some point. How would you value it? What would you pay for this experience knowing you're going to be in Disney for, you know, four to seven days and, you know, you're, you're an adult, maybe not with a family or maybe with a family, but what would, what, what would you pay for this? I'd argue you wouldn't need to be at Disney for four to seven days with this. I mean, you, you get backstage access and transportation. I'm assuming that means you can go park to park. Yes. You get two gu- tour guides that are going to take you to the front of any line that you want, any experience that you want. Really, you could do this in two days, or you could do this in one day. Now, keep in mind, hit every park in one that's day. Still twenty. I mean, any day you add on, it's twelve thousand dollars, and then ten thousand dollars any additional day. So it's not. Now, is that per person? I'm, I'm, maybe I missed this. Was this per person, or is this a no? For that's group? for that's for up, up to, to six, six guests. guests. So you're talking two thousand dollars a person. Which, while it's pricey, yeah, I mean, if you've got two thousand dollars, I think this is well worth two thousand dollars. I mean, it sounds like a lot of money, but at the same time. $2,000, literally, you could do everything at every park in one day. You just have to pick your nighttime, your restaurants and your nighttime show. I mean, you, you, uh, I, no, guys, this is not worth it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'd pay for it, but I don't have $12,000 to fork out. You're, you guys are looking at it as if I'll just reserve one spot and do what I want to do. I mean, you're going to go with a group of six and have to agree. I'm, I'm, I, no, I'm not looking at it like you could reserve one spot. I, I, I agree. You do have to find a group of six, but you tell me you couldn't find five other people to do this with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm counting in my head right now. I mean, <laughs> if if we all end up doing very well with our lives, we had a group of six, we could definitely do it with. But I mean, it's it's definitely expensive. You know, when when Pete breaks it down like that, and I start thinking of my group of six, and we're all dropping two thousand. I mean, obviously, you got to save up a little bit for it. But if you could do this. 
let's say you did this in, in one week's time, you know, the minimum lead time you have to give them. Look, you're going to have people that have a lot of money that are going to do this. You're going to have celebrities that are going to do this. No, I'm, I'm, I'm more saying like how many people have actually done this in Cinderella's castle to date? Less than a thousand? More than a thousand? I don't I don't know. And, you know, to me, that's kind of the least exciting part of it. Because, I mean, you have like intimate knowledge of something that maybe you're like one of a thousand people that actually know what it's like up there. I think that's pretty cool. No, that's true. And I mean, you can you can take a photo tour of it. You know, you can see pictures of it online. And I know that's not the same as being there. But, you know, it's not like if if you got to stay here, I'd I'd be a little bit more excited about it, I guess. But you you, you get to walk through it. I wonder if $12,000 a night they could get people to do it. Like a family of four, 12,000. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think easily. Yeah, but I mean, they're not going to do it. Yeah. But that was it for the news. I, I just, I think the $12,000 was a shock factor for me. Uh, but if you got any feedback, listeners, if you want to tweet us or email us with your thoughts on this new offer, uh, let us know. Or if you if you have a lot of money and you, you need a you need three spots filled, we'll certainly join you. So uh, that's it. That's all I have for the news. All right. Well, that's all we've got for the news. Let's go ahead and pause for just a minute to hear from our sponsors. Destinations with Character Travel Agency is your one-stop shop for Disney vacations, cruises, and more. With clients ranging from the magic makers of Hollywood to the business executives of New York to families from all over the U.S., people trust the travel consultants of Destinations with Character to make their magical dreams a reality with the patience, care, and attention to detail they deserve. With over 50 years of experience in Disney and worldwide travel, are over 30 travel consultants trained to give the best prices and service possible. Destinations with Character has the tools to make the difference for you. Find out how to take the stress and hassle out of your vacation. Simply contact them to let the magic begin. Destinations with Character Travel, making dream vacations come true every single day. Visit their website at www.destinationswithcharacter.com or email them at info at destinationswithcharacter.com. And be sure to tell them that the Mendu WDW podcast sent you. So your family is coming to Orlando. And the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. All right, well, we're back. One one thing, and I, I think it's kind of funny that we didn't mention with the news is, and I saw this on Walt Disney World News today, they actually, and, and it, I noticed that it was still missing when we were on our most recent trip, they replaced Br'er Bear's tail in the scene where he is uh, where he's hanging from the rope. So, thought that was kind of funny. I mean, it just happened within the last week, week and a half, something like that. This tail's been missing for 20 years now, at least. So, it took him a little bit of time to fix it, but uh, but they did get, get on it. So, on to the topic for tonight. Let's be a little bit positive about Disney. Yeah, let's. How about it? I guess, let me, let me, uh, let me start here. And this is something that's really near and dear to my heart. And that's taking food seriously in the theme parks. You know, when, when Disney World first started as a theme park and really through, I think, the, the 80s and the early 90s, maybe even into the mid 90s, you know, Disney World had a lot of your standard theme park fare, hamburgers, hot dogs, turkey. Le- I think the most exotic thing you could get was a turkey leg and some popcorn. Since then, they've really realized that people are into food and and people are willing to pay a lot more for food that is more attractive, that tastes better. So Disney has started this trend and I think it's carried over to a lot of other theme parks where they don't serve typical theme park fare at every restaurant. I'm not saying they don't have it because they definitely do. Tom will attest to the chicken fingers at Hollywood Studios. 
but they've really come a long way on their food and and the quality of the restaurants, not every restaurant, but the quality of a lot of the restaurants on site really speaks to that. And as does food and wine festival, it, it just is a, is a testament to how important food has become to Disney park goers. Yeah. I mean, I, I love food. Uh, I'm thinking about all the great food that is at Disney world, especially throughout the world showcase. And Disney's definitely capitalized in this area not only throughout the parks, but their restaurants have upped their game. Uh, I mean, you, you've heard reviews where things go a little bit south and then they rebound all of a sudden. And, you know, with some of the new restaurants coming to Disney, they've, invest, they, they've invested in having groups come in and make sure the food and the, the entire dining setup and the staff, everything is done top notch. So I do think Disney's trending in the right direction with, with the food. And one, one other point here is you have a lot of people that live in the Orlando area that buy an annual pass just so they can go to the Disney restaurants. And I think that kind of, you know, goes into what Pete talks about. You know, you get people into the park however you can, but when they're there, let them enjoy themselves to the fullest. And when you have some of the best restaurants in Orlando at your theme park, that's always a great thing. Yeah, and I think the resorts in Disney Springs really have the the more high quality restaurants. You know, the, the theme park restaurants are good, don't get me wrong. I think Disney Springs and the resorts really do have those higher quality restaurants, but, but yeah, you're right. I mean, people do come into the parks just to eat. And and I'll say as kind of an aside to this, I think that Disney putting Starbucks in their parks is, is was a great decision as well, because every, every single coffee that dis, company that Disney's had in there, including Joffrey's coffee has really sucked. I love how we're, we're complimenting Disney and then still jabbing them one more time with the Joffrey's is not very good. It's terrible coffee. Well, coffee aside, we I think everyone pretty much likes Starbucks except for the price tag, but everything at Disney's expensive, so not surprised that Starbucks is there. Um, one of the things that I'll you know, one of my list items here is just the fast pass idea, the fast pass concept. Now, there's a lot of places that do the fast pass, but I think Disney kind of pioneered it. Um, one of the things that I remember as a child going to Disney was just how long you would wait in line for different attractions. Whether it was Splash Mountain, Space Mountain rock and roller coaster. Um, it's a small world, Dumbo. I mean, anything you can think of, like, you know, you would wait in line a long time. But what was awesome about Fast Passes is now you can kind of plan your day around your Fast Pass. So maybe like Splash Mountain or Space Mountain that you could realistically only do maybe once in a day, maybe twice if you're if you're pushing it. You can theoretically, you know, do those attractions multiple times in a day, which is great because it opens up the rest of the park. Now you're not spending so much time in lines and you're spending more time enjoying everything the park has to offer. I mean, kind of, you know, talking about what Pete just talked about, the restaurants. I mean, now you can actually, instead of waiting in line somewhere three hours, you can go have a nice hour-long dinner, um, hour-long lunch or something at a restaurant in a park and really enjoy that. So I think Fast Pass are great. I kind of disagree. Just with the Fast Pass concept, I, I think that Fast Passes have made standby time significantly longer on the more popular rides. I, I agree that it's a lot easier to plan your day and it encourages planning. And and for somebody like me, that's great, but it takes a lot of the spontaneity out of a Disney trip. You can't just say, Hey, I'm going to Disney next week and do whatever you want. You have to have that planning. So yes, for, for somebody that is a planner, it's, it's a great thing. Well, come back, come back to where I guess where I'm coming from this. Like I'm kind of thinking this in the idea of, you know, Disney had, had this idea and they capitalized on it. Fast passes when they first came aren't like fast passes are now where you could book months weeks in advance and in the in the past when i'm talking about is when fast passes first came you could literally get your park admission ticket go in and you I mean you'd run around from attraction to attraction to make sure you get like your hour time slot when you can come in so I mean, yeah fast pass has definitely evolved but i just think that original concept disney did right yeah it's, it's definitely you know it's definitely their attempt to get people out of lines into the parks and you know in that it has been successful but uh but yeah, I mean, if you don't have a fast pass for a ride like Flight of Passage, you're going to be waiting four hours or three hours or whatever it is. So it does it does make the lines longer in that regard. Yeah, I'm, I'll agree with Matt because I think fast pass are awesome. I do think it's unique that Disney does not charge for them. While I don't know that that's going to be forever because Disney already has the package where if you stay at a deluxe, you can pay to have a few extra fast passes. In general, the concept is fantastic. And Pete's spot on. I mean, it does increase standby time because more popular attractions who people cannot get a fast pass for just decide, all right, well, I'll just wait because it's the only way I'm going to ride it. Um, 
Moving on to, to one of my things, one of the best decisions I think Disney's made is their transportation system. I, I really focus on the bus system, uh, but I, I'll dive into it. I mean, Disney World is, everyone knows, it's a worldwide travel destination. It's not, it's not just people in Florida. It's not, it's, it's not just people in the Southeast. People come from all over to go to Disney World. And it's a little more unique than Disneyland because you do have a lot of locals who spend a fair amount of time at Disneyland versus, you know, people traveling across the country, across the world to go there. So having the transportation in place makes it easier no matter where you're coming from. Uh, you could you could live in Florida and you can you don't have to worry about driving and dealing with all the, the traffic or you can be from another country and not have to worry about figuring out getting a rental car and following the signs I and mean, you're in unfamiliar territory. So it's it's it makes it such a seamless transition. And then, you know, Disney has over three hundred and fifty buses on property that, that go through all of the resorts, theme parks, and Disney Springs. And then on top of that, they have boats, monorails, soon to be a Skyliner. And then I think the cherry on top is the Disney Magical Express that Pete rode in from the airport. You don't have to worry about getting a, a taxi, an Uber, a Lyft, a town car. They know where they're going. They know how to get you where you need to go. They try to make it as easy as possible. I mean, what I can what I compare it to is when I went to Sandals and you literally get off your plane and everything's taken care of from there. I mean, you're on your vacation. So that this is one of the best things Disney's done and now they're even adding bus only lanes it's even better because you don't have to worry about all the Orlando traffic that can be in the Disney World area this was something that was on my on the list I made in my head when we were talking about this episode and for whatever reason I left it off but I couldn't agree more Disney transportation is it's just a notch above anything else you're going to experience at almost any other amusement theme park and I know we like to think of Disney as better than that and they are and it's just it's revolutionary. And you left off the minivans. Yeah, because I because I don't think the minivans are the best value. That's why I left those off. That was kind of purposeful on my end. I think your your best bet is either using any of the Disney World transportation, even if you're not on property. I mean, we did this and we just and did it incorrectly on our trip, but you know, we were gonna take you know, Pete was on property, but but my group wasn't. We were gonna take a Disney bus to Disney Springs. There's no rule against that. You know, if you're at a park and you Ubered into the park and you wanna you want to go see a resort? There's no rule. You're, you're allowed to hop on that bus and go see the resort. Or you're allowed to hop on that bus to another park or or Disney Springs, wherever you want to go. So uh, take advantage of it. And then the monorail itself is, and I think the Skyliner will be very similar. Their attraction's in their own. You know, the monorail gives you different sight lines, and the Skyliner will certainly do the same thing. Yeah, and as much as we complain about Disney transportation, as much as Disney transportation gets a bad rap, I, I agree. I think it, it was a great thing for Disney to develop, and it's it's done a lot to really help people get around the resorts without having to drive everywhere. All right, so I guess I'm back up. I think the next thing that I want to talk about that I think has been a great decision that Disney's really started to roll out recently is demand-based ticket pricing combined with annual pass blackouts. And this really lets Disney determine how busy the parks are going to be. Look, Disney's all about making that almighty dollar, right? There's 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 no nothing hidden about that. So they want people to come and, you know, not be like Christmas where you go into the park and you're not able to move because people that are stuck and can't move can't spend money. So what this has done and what this has allowed Disney to do is to take much better control of when people come to the theme parks because it incentivizes people to take advantage of slower times. And, you know, we saw this on our last trip. I've I've never been in January where it's been that busy before. Now, granted, marathon weekend, it was a little more crowded than I think it normally would have been. But the wait times were were crazy. I mean, the, the parks were pretty crowded for the time of year that it was. So what this has done since it's been rolled out is, is kind of had a net effect of, of balancing this tourist load so that it's made the off-season more popular. And it's really erased the off-season. So it's made it so... Crowd levels are pretty steady throughout the year. I mean, Tom, you guys went in July and didn't have a bad time because the crowds were not that bad. No, I mean, and this this circles almost you know all the way back around and during to Matt's fast pass point. The only issue, or your fast pass point, I guess, the only issue we had was securing fast passes for Seven Dwarfs. Other than that, our actual park experience and every other attraction, you know, I mean, even Splash Mountain during their busy time, we could get on with no problem. Any shop, restaurant. You know, Pete, I would say it was from the amount of people, it might have been less. There might have been less people there than there were in Jan- just now when we went to, Ma- to Magic Kingdom. And you thought Magic Kingdom was 
comparatively to Animal Kingdom was in good shape. But I thought it was over. I thought it was ridiculously crowded. So, yeah, I, I think this is. It's exciting that they have demand-based pricing, but it also is you're gonna have to reinvent the wheel on when to go to Disney, and, and we'll figure it out. I mean, people people are too smart and spend way too much time focusing on it. It'll get figured out that you know this is now the time to go from a crowd level standpoint. But they are obviously their goal is to balance that out the best they can. Yeah, um, I'll go right into um, something that I, I find really interesting. And I might get some pushback from you guys on this one, but I think the Pixar relationship and Pixar's eventual per- purchase by Disney um, was a big deal in how it relates to the Walt Disney World parks. Um, you know, you think back and Disney and Pixar began working together in the 1990s and into the early 2000s as a partnership. Um, they created box office smashing films like Toy Story franchise, A Bug's Life, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo. Um, you want to talk about like the original Incredibles, Cars, and all these are super successful franchises. And the reason I find this so important is because these these films kind of changed the way you looked at Disney. They went from more animated features that were you know purely seemed to be um, artist drawn to using more computer graphics and really you know making your making your films pop visually. Um, and the way it you know kind of correlated here is that. You know, you had Beauty and the Beast and you had Little Mermaid. It's the last kind of Disney films I can remember that weren't Pixar connected, that were animated. And that's really fueled Disney decisions ever since, especially in the parks. I mean, you have the attractions that are Pixar related. Like, It's Tough to Be a Bug was one of the the main attractions at Disney's Animal Kingdom when that opened inside the Tree of Life. Um, In Tomorrowland, we talk about this ride all the time, but Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger, Spin, and a lot of things that kind of kind of couple on to what we have. So like Turtle Talk with Crush, the Finding Nemo musical, Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, The Seas with Nemo and Friends, Up, A Great Bird Adventure. A lot of of these rides are now just directly correlated to Pixar and they really drive drive Disney for families, I think. Because families can watch these movies together and then go experience those movies in the parks and it's not going to stop. And so I think that that Pixar relationship and the eventual purchase has really shaped how we view Disney parks now and I think it's been a success for the most part. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I, I I will say, and it's minor, but a lot of these attractions were actually in the parks prior to the Disney purchase of Pixar. Oh yeah, they so, were. You know, so Disney has always had that special relationship with with Pixar, and and yeah, I agree. It's been a huge part of where Disney has gone in their theme parks. Now, you know, are these the best, most exciting attractions? No, but they are big parts of of Disney World. I mean, you think about like where they where they're looking at the future with Ratatouille coming to Epcot and the World Showcase, and that's going to be a big ride. That's going to be a fun ride, and I just think it kind of picked up the torch where you know where Thomas said last episode he didn't feel like Disney really, um, you know, captured the magic of the Little Mermaid or captured the magic of Beauty and the Beast in an attraction. They really picked up the ball with these kind of with these movies with Pixar. I just think it's pretty fun, pretty cool, and it's a really good thing for you know the kids. I think kids really enjoy a lot of these attractions. And I'll, I'll go a step further here. I, I think that what you see in the Disney relationship and the Disney purchase of Pixar will be completely dwarfed by the Disney relationship and Disney purchase of Star Wars because there's just that much bigger audience for Star Wars. And you kind of talk about that. You know, you mentioned Pete and George Lucas was one of the original creators of Pixar. And you see where that kind of relationship has evolved to where it is now. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys hit the nail on the head there. So I'll, I'll go ahead and move on. Uh, and, and we tried, my second one, we tried to not make this list our favorites and actually the favorites. So this one is a little, maybe a stretch, but the World Showcase is one of the best decisions I think Disney's made. Not only because I love it personally, but I, I think it, it gives a lot of different age groups the opportunity to enjoy Disney. You know, we talk about that the Disney isn't for everyone, but oftentimes if Disney's not your cup of tea, maybe eating and drinking around the world is. And if you're a child and you want to do this, you know, they have the Kidcot locations at each country. Uh, if you're an adult or a teenager, you, you kind of get to experience different foods and different cultures because you do actually have Disney cast members who are from the country that they're they're currently working in. Uh, this is one of the most unique places in the world because you can, at least in the United States, because some of the things you find here from a food and drink standpoint can only be found in Epcot, nowhere else in the U.S., uh, nowhere else in the world unless you're in that you know, that country. And there is some educational benefit. I mean, some of the attractions that are in place now, certainly not frozen, but some other ones do provide some educational benefit. 
uh, for your your little ones and for you. So I think the World Showcase, it kind of encompasses Walt's vision a little bit. And there's a lot to do. I mean, there's a lot to do other than just Frozen or eating and drinking around the world. There's something for everyone there. Yeah, it's part of the theme parks that the attractions aren't really important, right? Because the World Showcase itself is the attraction. And it's just something you don't see anywhere else. And it's such a you know, creative idea. I think like Tom talked about. Yeah, that was on my list too, just as a concept. It's, you know, Sometimes I think we have to give Disney a lot of credit that we, some people, some of us might actually take, just not really give Disney the credit they deserve because we've done it so many times. We take it for granted. And the World Showcase is a really, really cool thing. And a lot of these concepts we talked about tonight are just really interesting and cool. And Disney kind of was the first person there. And I think that's why we give them credit and we say they're right on the money. All right, we're rolling into my next good Disney decision. I'm going to go with My Magic Plus. I think this is really controversial because I think a lot of people are upset with how this rolled out. I think a lot of people are still upset about the, just like Fast Passes, the fact that it removes any chance of a spontaneous trip to Disney World. You've, you've got to plan everything out. But the ability to manage and look at your entire trip from one spot is is huge. I was able to make Fast Pass reservations from this app. I was able to make dining reservations from this app. I was able to, you know, open my door to my room with this app. I was able to order food from quick service restaurants with this app. Everything's right here. Wait times are in here, transportation times. This is huge. And yes, it has its bugs. The app doesn't work very well. It crashes a lot. Whatever. When it does work, it's 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 a big part of your Disney experience, and it, and it has to be. I'm gonna skip Matt here because I have this too, the My Disney Experience app, you know, My Magic Plus. Everything you said, I echo. Uh, it's while I do understand some people are can be frustrated to to start. I was. I mean, I'm I'm, a, I'm an example of it. When I went to Disney World and it had changed, my wife knew how to do everything. Fortunately, because I didn't, but she taught me, and now I love it. Disney capitalized on the opportunity to to grow in their technology. And they saw, I mean, you look at the parks, everyone's on their phone. Even before this was a thing, people were on their phone. So uh, Pete's right. I mean, this this opens, literally opens the doors uh, to your Disney vacation. And I mean, I, I have nothing but good things to say about it. Pete took advantage of mobile ordering, had great success. There's a map on it. There's wait time. I mean, there, we, we've gone over what is on the app. I mean, everyone knows if you're a listener of this. Uh, if you're not, there are tutorials online. Please get familiar with it before you go to Disney World. That's my biggest piece of advice as someone who was not familiar with it before Disney. And and as we talked about already, I'm I'm not including fast passes in this because again, I think fast passes just make wait times longer. But overall, it's it is a great uh it it has been a great tool that Disney's rolled out. I, they saw the light early. They invested a ton of money in this and I I think it's paid off. Pete, we talked about fast passes earlier and everything that you can do on the application you're talking about. And I kind of wish they had left fast passes off of this application because I do think it added a lot to the park where you didn't have to start planning your your fast passes, your rides that far in advance. But I think that eventually people would just clamor to be able to do their fast passes. So they just went ahead and dropped that in the app. But what do you think if the fast passes were not a part of this? I don't I don't think they couldn't be at this point. I mean, I, I don't see a path to that at all because the old fast pass situation was not working. You had people running as fast as they could to fast pass lines, knocking people out of the way. It just, it, it didn't work. Yeah. I agree with you. So I, I don't, I don't see a, pa- a a situation where, you know, you, you don't evolve to this other than having fast pass kiosks in the park and forcing you to go to a kiosk to do everything. That's funny. I can definitely remember just like sprinting to that little kiosk at Splash Mountain or at Space Mountain and then immediately trying to get in line with your 8.05 a.m. fast pass and then immediately sprint over to Space Mountain, which all of a sudden was at 11.15 already somehow. Um, one, of the, one of the other things I think Disney did right was Fantasmic. I think it's the best show at Disney. There's no parade right now. So as far as nighttime interactive, you know, aside from, you know, the fireworks and the display on the castle, this thing's been going 20 years now. I mean, can you tell me another Disney show or parade that had a 20-year run in modern day? You're talking about opened up in 98, it's 2018 now. Um, especially where this where this show is, being in Hollywood Studios. I think that a lot of times in Hollywood Studios, you can forget that you're in Walt Disney World just because there's so many different rides from Tower of Terror 
to Rock and Roller Coaster to what the great movie ride was to Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular to stuff we've had like, you know, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or Drew Carey Sounds Dangerous that you kind of forget you're in Disney. But this particular show brings in so many Disney films and characters into one place and a completely immersive experience where every every Disney character is a part of the show and connected. And that's why I think Fantasmic, I hope it stays forever. I really do. Maybe they can revamp it, you know, in a couple of years, change it up because it is it has been the same show for twenty years and then in Hollywood Studios. But I just think they 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 rocked it. They knocked it out of the park with Fantasmic. There's a couple that have gone in that twenty year window. Uh Illumination's probably the most familiar one to some people and that one is changing. So maybe that we're at the twenty year mark, maybe Disney starts to think changes because I think some people would want to see a change, but I'm with you. I love, I love Fantasmic. This is probably creeping into one of the, our favorites topic, uh, like I did with the world showcase. I mean, that I, we all love Fantasmic. Our, our listeners know that. So I have absolutely no problem with this, but I don't know if, if everyone would agree that the world showcase and Fantasmic are universally great decisions by Disney. I, I think having this type of show was a great decision by Disney because you're right. You can't go anywhere else and get this level of this many characters in one place. There's really no place else that you can do this. Man, that's not really true because I guess the parades. Yeah, but it's really one of the only places that the only attractions that feature the villains in a prominent way with Mickey. I mean, you have Mickey yeah. Mouse fighting every villain that's ever been in Disney World and he hasn't been shown in a movie with any of them. Well, I just go back to this is a this is the one show in Walt Disney World in a park that doesn't feel like Walt Disney World that brings Walt Disney back. And and I think that that was really important. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, it was. And it was the right decision for Disney to come out with this show. It's been the right decision. I like Fantasmic. Don't get me wrong. I think it may be a mistake to leave it as is for as long as they have. Sure, they've updated some of the pyrotechnics. They've updated some of the effects. They've added characters for popular movies. Correct. I don't I don't think that they need to change the overall structure of this show, but I do think they need to add some new scenes, change up the scenes a little bit. It's getting a little stale, particularly when you're talking about seeing it 5, 10, 15, 20 times over the years. And that, that was just on YouTube for me this past year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So wh- while I agree that it was a definitely a good decision for Disney to to put this in here, it's it's what this park needed. Could it bear a little bit of changing now? A- absolutely. A little bit of refreshing, absolutely. So I'll, I'll roll into my next one, and this ties right into My Magic Plus. I don't know that you could have one without the other, and that is Magic Bands. Disney invested a lot of money in this. A lot of money in the Magic Band readers at every shop, at every food cart. A lot of money in the Magic Band readers at the Fast Pass entrances. Even the cast members walk around with iPhones with Magic Band readers on them. When we got when we got uh, evacuated from our five or six rides, they were using iPhones with Magic Band readers to put extra fast passes on our Magic Band. So they invested a ton of money in this. This is an ingenious way to keep people spending money in the parks. How hard is it to track how much you are spending on your Magic Band? It's practically impossible. This is a win-win for all involved because Disney is certainly. I mean, there's got to be more merchandise sales, food sales. Uh, snacks, you name it, because it's so easy to swipe and go. Uh, you don't think about it. So it just it just makes things super handy, right? It just makes it super easy to to be able to do everything at the park with one magic band. You can literally walk into a Disney park without a wallet, without a credit card, with just a magic band. You can get into the park. You can get into all the rides. You can go back to your room and get in your room. You can buy all your food, all your drinks, all your merchandise, everything with just this magic band. Plus, they can use it to track you and attach your ride photos to it. Although we found that doesn't always work a hundred percent of the time, but, and they can use it to throw little, I'm thinking of jungle cruise where your name will pop up on a poster at random. I'm thinking of the effects at haunted mansion where your name would pop up on a tombstone that, or that small world. Thing. I mean, same, same concept, small world at the end where your, where your, your actual family name will pop up. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I, I didn't have magic fans as one on its own, but I, you know, knew that you did. And I, it was a good opportunity to talk about it. It's, also revolutionized the game at Disney World. The customizable Magic Bands are really popular as well. Uh, so th- there's a lot going on there. So I'm going I'm to take a feather out of Tom's cap here. And I want to talk about the Walt Disney World Resorts. Um, currently, there are more than 25 Disney-owned and operated on property. 
Um, one of the things that I think is so cool about this is when Walt made Disneyland in California, one of the things that he didn't anticipate happening was all the land around Disneyland being purchased. And not only being purchased, but being purchased by, you know, shady motels, you know, bad restaurants, stupid billboards that were up around the park where you could actually see billboards from the park. I think the Walt Disney World Resorts were an amazing idea because not only does it allow Walt and you know Disney to control the message, but it actually allows you to control the experience. So you're in a hotel that's all Disney World related, being able to take it like what Tom said, transportation to any Disney World park. And you get to stay in that Disney bubble. And I think without these resorts, we wouldn't really talk about the Disney bubble like we currently talk about it. So I just think that this was a great concept. It plays on Walt's dream for a contained park that focuses on the magic of Disney World and where people, you know, people are going to stay overnight going to Disney World either way. So might as well have them staying in your park with you making money off of it. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think the investment in hotels has, has definitely paid off. They're constantly building more hotels, and, and this plays into the DVC properties as well. That's been a huge thing for Disney since it came out. I'm a big believer in Disney resorts. I think the way they've done it where they've kind of given you the option of a lot of different budgets uh, was smart move by them to get people on property, and you know Disney's in your face all the time. There's gift shops in every one of them. I mean, it, Disney Disney knows how to capitalize on the dollar. Uh, and then, I mean, it, it does it Disney bubble, right? We've talked about it in the past certainly puts you more in the Disney bubble when you stay at the resorts and each of them are so unique that you really, you really have never stayed at the same one twice. If you're going to different resorts, uh, even if it's the all-stars where you have music movies, uh, and, uh, and sports. And so I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it was a great decision by Disney, but on that note of investing, I guess we'll move to my next one. This is kind of contradictory to our last episode, but it's Disney finally investing in their theme parks and Disney Springs, formerly Downtown Disney. Disney's definitely shifted their focus back to the Walt Disney World and Disneyland, uh, focusing on new attractions and enhancing the guest experience there. From what we've read on Galaxy's Edge and what we've seen in Toy Story Land and Pandora, Disney's not messing around. Uh, Pandora's fantastic, Toy Story Land's fantastic, and we have no reason to believe Galaxy's Edge won't be. To add into all that, you have Guardians of the Galaxy coming, which will be the tallest indoor uh, roller coaster in the world. And you have Tron uh, coming to the Magic Kingdom, which is also at another Disney uh, Disney World or, or Disney vacation area. And then kind of the cherry on top for me is Disney Springs. At one point, this was a, eh, we may hit Disney Springs, we may not. Now it's a must stop. There's things to see, things to do, food to eat. Pete hit on it briefly earlier. The food there is fantastic. Some of the add-on experiences there are fantastic. And it's if you want to go there for free and just walk around, have Disney thrown in your face, go to one side of Disney Springs, have it not thrown in your face, go to the other. It's a must stop on my list. No matter the age, there's something there for you. If you're a kid, you got Legos. If you're an adult, you've got the, the nightlife and the, and the restaurants. So that it's one place that Disney spent a lot of time and money and they continue to invest time and money into it moving forward. And I think it's, it's going to pay off big time. Yep. Not, nothing, nothing to disagree with there. It's, it's funny that I talked about last week, how, Disney's failure to invest in their theme parks lost them so much market share. Well, now they're investing in their theme parks. And we'll see what that does to pull that market share back. But for the near future, there's a lot coming to be excited about. My last one rolls right into what Tom was talking about. And that is, I I think one of the best decisions that Disney has made is building Pandora and specifically Flight of Passage, but Pandora overall. Disney was not into the huge immersive themed lands before Pandora. This was their first stab at it. They they did a great job. And it, it really sets the stage for, for what we're going to continue to see. I have one fear here, though, and that is that we're never going to see any more lands at Disney World without Disney intellectual properties in them. You're not going to see another fantasy land or... You're not going to see a beastly kingdom. Instead, you're going to see a Cars Land come, or you're going to see whatever the new hot hot button franchises land come, because I think we're we're at the point now where that's what people want. People want these interactive, themed, immersive lands that are based on characters and themes that they know. I think you're spot on there, Pete, because you 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 look at what other theme parks are doing as well. 
I believe, is it Universal that has Nintendo Land coming? Or I mean, it. you're right. I do think you're going to have things that are connected to something. And I don't know that that's, I don't know if it's good or bad. I, I guess what remains to be seen. So far, it's been good. So far, what they've done has been good. But uh, like everything, change is always welcome. So we'll see how it goes in the future. We'll see what happens. We talked about it last episode. I'm so excited for these things as a thrill junkie and as a movie fan. But as a Disney fan, I just don't know how excited I am. But yeah, Disney really flexed its muscles with Pandora and show what it could do. And I think that was a powerful message because Disney has so much intellectual property and also so much history and nostalgia to work from that all the Disney animated features that are becoming live action movies right now, I think you're going to see Disney hit really hard on that. And it wouldn't surprise me to see a revamped Fantasyland you know, in the next 20, 30 years where it looks completely different than what it looks like right now. When you talk about Disney's about to celebrate 50 years, there's been a lot of things that have been there for a long time and been successful. Yeah. We'll see what happens going forward. No doubt. So, Tom, I'm going to let you do the honors and, and knock your last one out, and then I'll hit up my last one. Uh, so my last one is character meet and greets. Everything we've shared with you tonight is reasons why Disney is, has done good and things they've done well. Character meet and greets are kind of the cherry on top for me uh, because there's obviously your restaurants, your park experience, your sights, sounds, foods, everything you can see throughout all the Disney properties. There's... But there's nothing more excited than when you're a kid and you, you get, you, it comes to life, you know, is whether it's Peter Pan and Captain Hook or it's, you know, you meet the seven dwarves and Snow White. It's, it absolutely brings the whole thing full circle. As parents, I'm sure there's no happier moment or more exciting moment than seeing your kids, even if they're a little scared at first, meeting their, their Disney character of their dreams. Uh, I know in our family's house, we still have pictures of, of us going through Disney World as kids, meeting with the characters and, uh, you know, it's tough because Disney changes as you as you age. It's a little, it's different, of course, when you were a kid versus when you're an adult. But uh, this one is something that Disney did absolutely right. It's great that they keep incorporating new characters, even though the classic Disney and me doesn't want, you know, all the new characters coming out. I'm not a kid anymore, so I, I don't I don't watch the shows that are popular. And uh, you know, Frozen was one that it took me a while to get on board with. But it's certainly uh, that's certainly the cherry on top for me. See, I always say Disney has always. I don't want to say always, but majority of the time done the right thing because you see other theme parks, other amusement parks, other places like Disney trying to emulate Disney. And you just don't see the love of Disney characters and the way they do the meet and greets and the way the characters interact with the park, the park guests like you see at Disney World. And I agree with you, Tom. Without the character meet and greets, Disney World would feel a whole lot different to me. So my last one here is going to sound almost like kind of like a duh, but I think the best decision that the Disney Corporation is made is actually buying the property that now houses Walt Disney World. Um, for those of you that don't know, and I'm sure all of you do know this listening to a Disney podcast, Walt secretly purchased our 27,433 acres of swampland in Central Florida. This was originally called Project X. It's later been called Project Florida. And just to give you a kind of idea of what he was doing here, but in California, Walt didn't buy enough property, didn't buy enough land. He didn't want to make the same mistake in Florida. So what he did is he opened up dozens and dozens of dummy corporations where he purchased land. So at the time, he purchased the 27,433 acres we now know as Walt Disney World for approximately $180 per acre. What I find amazing here is that you're talking about roughly a $5 million purchase price in 1964 and 1965. So obviously that's a lot of money. In today's dollars with inflation between 1964 and 2018, that'd be about a $40 million investment. So a lot of money, a lot of money at the time. Well, in 2011, the Orange County Appraiser's Office appraised the Disney World property to be worth over $1.3 billion. I just think from a business standpoint, the way that that value has just grown in value, I mean, that's amazing. The $5 million investment in 1964 has turned into one point three in 2011 probably closer to two billion now i mean come on guys that's crazy yeah i mean the florida project without the florida project we wouldn't be here today it's certainly i mean where we live geographically i don't know that we'd be the disney nuts that we are today so i have nothing more to add i mean obviously this is the the grand slam the the best thing disney has done is started disney uh disney world here in in florida because it certainly has uh been near and dear to our hearts and all you listeners i'm sure it's same for you so I have nothing, nothing more to add there. All right. Well, anything else to add? I'm good. I'm good. All right. Well, anything else do you guys have to say? Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter 
email. You can call Matt. I'll give you his personal cell phone if you tweet at us. Let's move right into the trivia question and secret for the week. So, secret of the night. Uh, remember, our trivia question from last week had to do with Seven Dwarfs, so the secret this week does as well. Uh, did you know as your time on the Seven Dwarfs mind train comes to an end, you will have the opportunity to see Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs dancing in her cottage. It's an iconic scene from the movie. As the evil queen, also called the Wicked Queen, uh, peers through the door to get a glance at the party. However, what most don't realize is that every animatronic used in that scene came directly from the original Snow White scary adventure that was previously in Fantasyland. So I, fi- I find that interesting. It's one of my favorite. That, that ride has a lot of favorites, but that's probably one of my favorite scenes in the attraction uh, to go there at the end. Trivia question last week. What technological innovation was first introduced at Seven Dwarfs Mine Train at Magic Kingdom? It was the first ride, it was the first vehicle rather, to have the train cars swing independently side to side. We did have a few get it right on Twitter. Uh, one of them is on a two-week streak now, and she certainly knows who she is. She pu- pumped in a couple guesses, but quickly enough got to this one. And then another one that, that got it right is a longtime listener, uh, formerly known as Donald's other nephew is his former one. And uh, he's changed it to Schwartz in his Hupmobile, uh, which is his Twitter name now. Uh, so I want to give him a shout out. He's a, a great follower, uh, a lot of Disney knowledge. If you need someone to follow on Twitter, he's your guy because he, uh, he knows his stuff. And he actually knew the question from last week, but was catching up on some episodes. So appreciate all the uh, participation there. Uh, really enjoy interacting with you guys. Here's a trivia question for this week. What attraction at Walt Disney World has a picture of Walt Disney himself hanging in one of the rooms. Uh, so my, my hint there is it's hanging in a room. Uh, you can tweet us at podcast or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com with your guesses and or answers. I uh, look forward to you guys participating, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be on social media, mainly Matt, uh, until, until the next episode. And again, hit him up for his phone number if you'd like. He'd be glad to talk to you. All right, well, that's all we've got time for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.